Hi everyone, it's Jack Bishop. You might have seen me on America's Test Kitchen on public television. If you love listening to Proof, and you better love it, please consider supporting our work by subscribing to an ATK digital membership. What's the benefit? Everything we do. Recipes, product reviews, taste tests, it's all about rigor. We spend nearly $11,000 developing every recipe. It takes us 45 days to product test every piece of equipment we review. Sure, you can Google a roast chicken recipe for free, but we stand behind the claim that our version is far better. That's why nearly half a million people are loyal ATK Digital subscribers. We'd love to give you a 14-day test run. Just go to atkpodcast.com and I'd be happy to give you a free trial. Thank you. This episode of Proof is brought to you by Noodles. People, noodles are my all-time favorite food. I can't help it. I'm Asian. And within the canon of noodle dishes, there's one that's, in my opinion, in the top five, maybe even top three. I'm talking about Taiwanese beef noodles. And there's no one I know who's more of an expert on Taiwanese beef noodles than Taiwan-based food writer and author Clarissa Wei. Let's pick up our conversation. So, Clarissa, we both have cookbooks coming out this fall. Mine is going to be more Cantonese and Sichuan-centric, and yours is going to be about Taiwan. Tell me about this cookbook. Yeah, so this cookbook has been many years in the making, and it wasn't until I pitched it in 2021 where it really stuck. And I think that was just, you know, a combination of a lot of factors, the rising tensions in Taiwan and China, and the fact that now a lot of people are talking about Taiwanese identity. So it's been really good timing. And yeah, it's a dream come true. It's called Made in Taiwan. It's going to be out September 19th. I've already pre-ordered it. You should too. So for someone who's never had Taiwanese cuisine before, give me the elevator pitch. How would you describe it? So Taiwanese cuisine fundamentally is based on rice. We have a lot of pork, a lot of seafood by virtue of being an island. But we also have a lot of things that probably should not exist here, but only do because of our rich colonial influence. And then in terms of flavor profile, we have a lot of sugar because Taiwan used to be the sugar producing, you know, colonial outpost for the Japanese empire. And at one point, one third of the population here in Taiwan worked in growing sugar. So that's a really big part of our food. Our food tends to be very sweet. Yeah, quite simple, actually. There's not a lot of intense spices or um, seasonings um, compared to other countries in this area. It is so delicious. Uh, just everything from pork chops to chicken to your love of pineapple. And I think of all the foods, my favorite is something called nyodomyeon, which is beef noodles. Tell me about why that dish, beef noodles, is so important to the Taiwanese. There are over 10,000 beef noodle soup restaurants in Taiwan alone and then countless other ones internationally, um, which you really don't have with any other dish in Taiwanese food. Beef noodle soup should not exist in Taiwan, or the fact that it exists is kind of an anomaly. And it's the history is really fascinating, and we get into that with this podcast. Today on Proof from America's Test Kitchen... 
the unlikely rise of Taiwanese beef noodles from taboo to beloved national dish. I'm Kevin Pang. Stick around. Ever get overwhelmed by all the different types of butter that are out there? I know the difference between salted and unsalted, but what about the ones that say 80% butterfat versus 82% butterfat? Does that 2% make a difference? I'm bringing in Cook's Illustrated Editor-in-Chief Dan Souza to explain. So it's a great question, and it actually does make a big difference. The butterfat can affect how rich, spreadable, or melty your butter is when you're cooking with it and spreading it on toast and bread and stuff like that. But it also plays a big role in baking as well, especially for something like croissants or any other laminated dessert. That higher butterfat content means that it actually ends up being more pliable. So you can roll it out more easily and get these really fine layers of dough and butter and get the flakiest results when it bakes up. Taste the difference with Plugra Premium Butter's 82% butterfat content. Visit Plugra.com for more information. Reporter and cookbook author Clarissa Way brings us today's story. Every year here in Taiwan where I live, there's a spectacle of a competition where dozens of chefs gather to flex their beef noodle soup making skills. Many of the competitors have spent months prepping for the occasion. They're all here to showcase their version of what has become Taiwan's national dish. At first glance, it looks a little bit like a pop-up food festival. Rows of stalls are lined up next to each other. Each chef has his or her own station. But unlike a food festival where chefs serve and interact with the crowd, most of the chefs keep their heads down. They're meticulously tasting and adjusting their broth. Judges float from stall to stall, quietly tasting each bowl. The atmosphere is incredibly tense. Competitors are actually expected to cook every single element from the broth to the beef on site. This is Chef Hung, a five-time beef noodle soup award-winning competitor turned judge and restaurateur. He snagged the most wins in the history of the competition. I'm sitting in his Tesla parked in the alleyway behind his beef noodle soup restaurant in Taipei. It's the only place to get quiet audio and have a proper conversation. His restaurant, it's called Chef Hung, is packed with hungry patrons during the busy lunch rush. Chef Hung tells me that when the clock starts, each competitor gets three and a half hours to make their beef noodle soup. And that the best way to do it is to create an SOP, a standard operating procedure. He recommends dividing the time into blocks and planning the three and a half hours down to the minute. It's stressful, he says, but a lot of chefs sign up because it's a good way to market their restaurant and get their names out there. In a country where there are thousands of beef noodle soup shops, it helps to have an award to your name. At its core, a basic beef noodle soup is made by braising beef shanks with soy sauce, sugar, fermented spicy bean paste, and aromatics like star anise, cloves, and cinnamon. The broth is served with the meat, which is cut up into bite-sized pieces, 
and then plopped on long, hearty belts of wheat noodles. Sometimes, poached greens are added in for good measure. While the meat and the broth can be cooked in one go, most restaurant chefs do it separately to control the flavors. Chef Hung says, For the competition, we prepare for multiple months. He tells me that a competitor must have a deep understanding of the different cuts of beef. There are cuts that are really soft, other cuts that have more of a spring. Some cuts are more flavorful, others have more oil. Where the beef is sourced is really important, too. The first time I competed, I used a combination of American beef ribs and Australian beef tendon, Chef Hung tells me. To cook his dish, he says, he only stewed the beef tendon because tendon holds up better over a longer period of time. The beef ribs were saved for last. He seared the ribs in oil and served them medium rare on top of the noodles before pouring hot broth over everything. This method helped him win three times. Unlike old-school beef noodle soup, which was created as a way to mask the flavor of bad-quality beef, modern, award-winning renditions go all out with the beef. Hung recalls a time he competed with a group in 2010 where they decided to throw in five different cuts of beef in one soup. Everyone else was just using one type of beef, he says. We had five. If any of the five wasn't cooked to the right texture or to the right standard, we get zero points. It was risky. So they practice obsessively every day for a month and manage to win. Today, the five beef noodle soup is one of the signatures on Chef Hung's menu. It sells for about $35 a bowl, which is considered quite pricey for Taipei. But that ability to charge that much and use the higher quality ingredients is why so many chefs enter the beef noodle soup competition every year. And because there are over 100 competitors, the bar for a great bowl of beef noodle soup gets higher. But the way this dish became so beloved that it has its own competition dedicated to it is a bit of a mystery. Over three decades ago, beef was largely taboo in Taiwanese society. In my grandparents' generation, very few people ate it. It was expensive and looked down upon. The wheat noodles also seemed at odds with the traditional cuisine of the island that's filled with dishes like braised minced pork belly over rice and rice noodle stir-fries. Today, though, the dish is the main menu item in over 10,000 restaurants across the island. And there are restaurants dedicated to the dish from New York to London. So I wanted to know, how did beef noodle soup become the national dish of Taiwan? My journey took me deep into the archives of a library, into the Tesla of a five-time beef noodle soup champion, to the living room of a beef noodle soup judge, and to many beef noodle soup shops. I'd soon discover that a series of coincidences would lead to the bull's rise from an obscure military village dish to an international icon. It's a weekday morning, and I arrive at the Chinese Dietary Culture Library to meet Xin Yun, my assistant and researcher for the cookbook I'm writing on Taiwanese cuisine. 
It's a private library located in the basement of an office building. There's only one staff member and we're the only ones here. There are dusty old books on Chinese cookery dating back to the 1970s and stacks of thesis papers on postpartum meals. The selection feels terribly outdated, but that's part of the charm. I'm specifically here to comb through old presidential banquet menus to track how the shift in the type of dishes that were served coincides with the shift in Taiwanese identity. But since we're here, I thought we might as well check out what resources they have on beef noodle soup. Sheen searches through the library catalog, consults with a librarian, and eventually pulls out a medium-sized red book called Beef Noodle Evaluation Map. It's written by a man named Wang Ziyu, who's a former lawyer. Published in 1998 and currently out of print, there are 100 journal-like entries inside. It's the oldest book we can find on beef noodle soup. Each entry features a single restaurant and is meticulous. Every restaurant is graded on beef quality, soup, noodles, and then they're given an average star rating out of four. Wang even goes as far to list the number of seats in each restaurant, the price range, and whether or not parking nearby the restaurant is difficult. Here's a sample. The light-colored walls and round tables make the restaurant seem bright and comfortable. However, the floor is greasy. And in regards to the food, Wang writes... The spicy bean paste is used as the base and is good at building flavor. But this place stands out for their ability to smoothly integrate the beef tendon into the dish to match the soup. Sheen and I flip through the book in awe. A lot of these places are no longer around, and those that are have long changed owners and staff. The book was written the same year that Google was invented, long before Google Maps, Yelp, and before blogs became commonplace resources. To pull off a book like this, without being able to cross-reference photographs and other reviews online, it must have taken an extraordinary amount of time and on-the-ground research. I wanted to know what else this Mr. Wang knew about Taiwan's national dish. So we tracked him down and asked him out for coffee. This was all a coincidence and inadvertent, Wang tells me as we sit in his neighborhood coffee shop in Taipei on a hot afternoon. Wang now works as an ombudsman for the local government, and he says that writing the beef noodle soup evaluation map feels like a lifetime ago. There have been countless new beef noodle soup restaurants that have opened since then. He's surprised we found the book. No one has brought it up in years. The idea for the book started when Wong was a graduate student studying law back in 1997. And because he and his classmates were on a student budget, cheap bowls of beef noodle soup were a fixture in their day-to-day life. Once I treated my friends to beef noodle soup, Wong says, and my friends thought that it was a really bad bowl of beef noodle soup. I was embarrassed and decided to log on to BBS to vent. BBS stands for Bulletin Board System, an old online black and white messaging board system that's actually still in use in Taiwan today. As Wang started to write an entry about that terrible bowl of beef noodle soup, he says that his training as a lawyer kicked in. 
As an aspiring lawyer, Wong says, I realized that I must have a solid argument for why that restaurant was bad. So he began to break down all the elements of the restaurant. He listed the dish's price, talked about the atmosphere, the beef, the soup, the noodles, and gave it an overall rating. One thing led to another, and then he got requests from netizens to review another beef noodle restaurant, and then another, and then another, until... Someone asked if I could write a book about beef noodle soup. And I thought, that's not a bad idea. If all goes well, I could earn some money to pay for all my beef noodle soups. Wang secured a book deal, and in 1998, the beef noodle evaluation map was finally published. So how did he choose which 100 restaurants to feature? Actually, I ate at 500 restaurants, he says. And for some of them, I ate there multiple times. As a law student juggling a full course load, Wong went on an obsessive journey to systematically rate as many beef noodle soup restaurants as he could, and then narrow those shops down to the best 100. There were many extremely cheap bowls of beef noodle soup back then, he reminisces. Some of his friends would regularly get food poisoning from beef noodle soup. Those businesses, he emphasizes, did not make it into the book, and all of them have since closed. Of course, there were quite a handful of very good bowls and restaurants with unique quirks, like having business hours that went into the dead of the night, or restaurants that made really special handmade noodles. But like the flops, even some of the best beef noodle soup restaurants back then have also since closed. One restaurant that's still open in Wang's book is a place called Lao San Dong. It was opened around the time when beef started to become more popular in Taiwan. When they opened, they were just a roadside stall. Today, Lao San Dong occupies a small basement space in a building in Qimending, Taipei. Yu Huaizhen is the third generation owner. The very first iteration of our shop, Lao San Dong, started in 1949, Chef Yu says. At that time, my grandfather came over to Taiwan with a nationalist government. Beef back then was prohibitively expensive. Only the rich could afford it. So in the early days, Lao San Dong's soup noodles were just seasoned with a bit of soy sauce, salt, and MSG. Afterwards, of course, people started selling beef, and we started selling beef noodle soup, Chef Yu explains. In the beginning, we would throw the beef in with scallions, garlic, and ginger because the beef had an inherent fishy smell to it. Let's step back and explore beef's history in Taiwan. For generations of Taiwanese families, cows, especially oxen, were considered valuable farming tools, and many families saw them as part of the family. Eating beef was so taboo at that time that children were told the act of doing so would make them dumb, or that the police would throw them in jail if they were caught. Some swore a bowl of beef was a straight ticket to hell. To get some more insight into changing attitude towards beef, I sat with Liang Youxiang. He's a longtime beef noodle soup competition judge, writer, and former cooking show host. 
He's also friends with Chef Hung, the five-time beef noodle soup champion you heard at the beginning of the episode. And he's pretty adamant about correcting misconceptions about this dish. Liang says, but in actuality, it's not that Taiwanese people didn't eat cow. They just actually didn't eat their own cows. Liang tells me there was a small yet expensive market for beef, usually procured from dying or old cows. These cuts were extremely tough and were usually made into jerky or stewed in soups. That's why people like Chef Yu's grandfather had to heavily season the broth to get rid of the fishy smell. The niche market expanded after 1949. That's the year when over a million refugees and soldiers from the Chinese mainland came over to Taiwan with the nationalist government. Unlike the people who were already living in Taiwan, these newcomers didn't have the same taboos surrounding beef. Liang's family was part of this wave of immigration. He grew up in a military village and has fond memories of his father cooking the ingredient. And unlike families who had been in Taiwan for generations, for Liang and his family, beef was considered a rare delicacy. It has to be stewed until it falls apart and is tender. It wasn't easy, Liang recalls. It has to be stewed until fragrant, and the meat itself wasn't very fragrant. Liang says his father used to simmer the beef with dried tangerine peels, which made all the difference. Another misconception Liang wants to refute is the notion that Taiwanese beef noodle soup originated in a military veteran's village in Kaohsiung. If you look up the history of the dish, most sources in both English and Chinese will reference a vague tale of how the inhabitants there were mostly refugees from Sichuan province in China. The reasoning is that spicy bean paste, which gives beef noodle soup its signature reddish-brown hue, is a condiment that originates from Sichuan. Liang insists that the tale is untrue and hasn't been fact-checked. He even went so far as to call out a famous food culture professor for perpetuating this theory. I said to him, this is wrong. If there is spicy chili bean paste, then there must be beef noodle soup. There isn't any logic to this. The truth is that beef noodle soup is actually a mashup of the food of the Chinese refugees who came to Taiwan after 1949. Families like Liang's and Chef Yu's immigrated from all over China and brought over their diverse culinary techniques. People from the eastern Chinese coasts of Jiangsu and Shanghai were natural champions of red braising, a slow cooking technique that combines soy sauce, rock sugar, and meat to create an alluring reddish sheen. The Cantonese were masters of soup, great at extracting copious amounts of flavor from bones and leftover cuts of meat. Folks from Sichuan brought over their technique for making fermented spicy broad bean paste from scratch. There was also a subset of people from the north of China who ate halal food, and they opened up restaurants selling beef soup and beef noodles because they couldn't eat pork. As for wheat noodles, another ingredient that didn't feel germane to Taiwan, a couple things happened. In 1954, the American government started an international food aid program, which gave aid to developing countries in the form of wheat. 
It was said to be, and I'm reading from a speech given by U.S. Senator George McGovern here, quote, a far better weapon than a bomber in America's competition with the communists for influence in the developing world. As part of this initiative, Taiwan, a natural enemy of communist China, received large shipments of the grain. This relieved the United States of a wheat surplus in exchange for diplomatic leverage and influence. At this time, the only people in Taiwan who knew how to use wheat were the people who grew up with it, specifically Chinese refugees who had just come from northern China. Many grew up with baos, noodles, and dumplings as their staples and started opening eateries centered around these dishes. So, it was the changing attitude towards beef, the fusion of techniques for broths, and the introduction of wheat from the United States that formed the foundation of Taiwanese beef noodle soup. At the end of my interview with the judge, Liang Youxiang, I asked, which restaurant has the best beef noodle soup? He demurred and declined to answer, but he eventually tells me to check out a restaurant called Beef Daddy in Taipei. It's the same place that Mr. Wong, author of the Beef Noodle Evaluation Map, had also recommended days earlier. Back at Lao Sandong, I asked Chef Yu how he thinks beef noodle soup became an icon. It's probably word of mouth, he says, and slowly beef noodle came to represent Taiwan over time. However, Chef Yu admits it is a bit strange. From a local's perspective, he says, a more well-known dish should probably be braised pork belly over rice or oyster vermicelli. These are more traditional Taiwanese dishes. No one ever thought beef noodle soup would become a Taiwanese national dish. After the break, Mr. Wong's book sets off a butterfly effect. Legendary French chef Auguste Escoffier knew that to be a good cook, you had to master the basics. His great-grandson Michel told us how actress Sarah Bernhardt credited the chef's scrambled eggs for her longevity. She apparently replied laughing, oh, maybe the fact that every morning at breakfast I have a glass of champagne with Mr. Escoffier's scrambled eggs. The Augusto Escoffier School of Culinary Arts helps aspiring chefs perfect their scrambled eggs and so much more. Head to escoffier.edu to learn more. That's E-S-C-O-F-F-I-E-R dot E-D-U. And now, back to our story. To many people in Taiwan, it seems like beef noodle soup's trajectory came out of nowhere. But as I've discovered in the course of reporting this story... It was a series of coincidental events that led to the dish's rise from an obscure military village dish to an international icon. Once Wang Ziyu, then a law student, published Beef Noodle Evaluation Map in 1998, it was met with mild fanfare and then largely forgotten. But a decade later in the early 2000s, after I wrote this book, Wang says, it had a bit of a butterfly effect. First, Wang eventually went on to work for the city government, and then one day decided to give his colleague, the director of public works, a copy of his book. The director said thanks, made small talk, and moved on. 
Then, one day Wang's publisher invited him to give a talk about his book and its contents. And later on, inspired by the talk, someone from the publishing house published an article on how Taiwan needs a national dish. The article said, why can't we be like Japan? Japan has a ramen holiday. We should have a beef noodle soup holiday. Japan has a ramen competition. We should have a beef noodle soup competition. While the comparison with ramen may seem random, it's not completely out of place. A quick historical aside. For 50 years, Taiwan was a Japanese colony. And while the act of colonization was far from rosy, and the history there warrants an entire podcast episode or series on its own, Japan and its culture was romanticized and continues to be romanticized in modern Taiwanese society. The comparison to ramen proved to be effective. The article was passed down to then-Taipei city mayor Ma Ying-jeou, who thought a beef noodle soup competition was a good idea. He charged the director of public works with planning a competition centered around the dish, who then remembered that Wang had once gifted him a book about beef noodle soup. Wang and the director of public works had a meeting and ate beef noodle soup together. One thing led to another, and in 2005, seven years after the book was published, the inaugural beef noodle soup competition was held. The competition got an influx of both domestic and international press. It propelled beef noodle soup from a niche menu item to one of Taiwan's most famous dishes. Wang says, After the first competition, I went abroad to study. I went to New York for two years, and when I came back, no one remembered me. I was never even invited to become a committee member of the Beef Noodle Soup Festival. Wang's contribution to the popularity of beef noodle soup, while indirect, has continued to remain unnoticed by the masses. But some have taken note. Wang says, There was a beef noodle soup boss who was really flattering, and he told me that my book saved the beef noodle soup industry. That's the voice of Eric Wong, the son of the man who told Mr. Wong that his book saved the beef noodle industry. Eric is the owner of Beef Daddy, the restaurant that everyone recommended to me. The atmosphere at Beef Daddy reminds me of a luxury hotel lobby. Inset lighting, lush faux foliage, and polished wooden tables. There are only four tables in the entire restaurant. From both the judge Liang Youxiang and Mr. Wang, I learned that Eric's father had emigrated to Canada and come back to Taiwan when he retired. He was bored and started up a beef noodle soup restaurant where he distinguished himself by both price and quality. The average bullet beef daddy sells for about 50 US dollars a pop. Their most expensive bowl is around 330 US dollars. Every chunk of meat is cut to the same size and cooked to an exact temperature. And the broth that it sits in is both deep and herbaceous, a result of stewing beef bones for many hours at a very low heat. The meat falls apart like dominoes in the mouth, just like Liang told me it would. It's tender and supple, with a bit of a chew to it still. 
Eric tells me that they cook everything over in an electric stove to control the temperature and that everything is done in small batches, which is why they only have four tables. I tell him that I was sent over at the recommendation of two beef noodle soup experts. Eric plays it down. He tells me he doesn't think making a quality bowl of beef noodle soup is that hard. It just comes down to price point. Because Beef Daddy charges a higher price, they're able to spend more time on quality ingredients. I asked Eric why he got in the industry. To tell you the truth, he says, I grew up in this industry and I don't hate it. It's a remarkably blunt admission from someone behind one of the best beef noodle eateries in Taiwan. But it also says a lot about how the dish is often romanticized without considering the amount of hard work it takes to make a bowl that stands out. Now, Beef Daddy's beef noodle soup is really, really good. The beef was buttery and tender, the broth hearty and aromatic, similar to a very high-quality ramen and a perfectly cooked steak. It's probably incomparable to some of the earlier entries in Mr. Wong's evaluation book. I can see why it sells for $50 a pop. But was it absolutely the best bowl of beef noodle soup I've ever had? Probably not. I say that not to be unkind, but to emphasize how a great bowl of beef noodle soup is completely subjective. Nearly 70 years after its invention, there are now a myriad of different varieties. Some with tomato, others without spicy bean paste. To me, what makes a dish interesting is not how it's cooked, but its story. It was remarkable to me how all the pieces fell into place as I was reporting this story. What started out as a rather casual excursion to a library to do research for my cookbook ended up leading me to Mr. Wong. His book then inspired the beef noodle soup competition, which led me to a judge for that competition, Liang, and then Chef Hung, the most decorated winner, who once threw in five different cuts of beef in his award-winning stew. All of these characters eventually led me to Beef Daddy, a restaurant in Taipei that charges $50 for a bowl of beef noodle soup, and where the chef spends every day cutting each piece of meat into uniform perfection, with scissors. We've come a long way from the type of cheap bowls that didn't make it into Mr. Wong's book. So now I'm convinced, what started out as a dish created by the diverse wave of Chinese immigrants to Taiwan in the mid-20th century is now a canvas for ongoing creativity and something undeniably unique to Taiwan. Thanks to Clarissa Wei for bringing us today's story. Her debut cookbook, Made in Taiwan, will be out September 19. If you like Proof, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you'll get new episodes as soon as they drop. And while you're there, why not leave us a rating or write us a review? It really helps other people find the show. This episode of Proof is hosted by me, Kevin Pang, and the podcast is made by the following cast of characters. I'm Yumi Araki, the managing producer. I'm executive producer, Caitlin Kelleher. I'm supervising producer, Caroline Rickert. I'm Terrence Johnson, and I'm the associate producer. I'm Alex Curran-Cartarelli, and I'm also an associate producer. 
I'm Bridget Lancaster, creator and the founding host and producer. Audio services are provided by Ultraviolet Audio with sound design supervision by Matt Poynton. Scoring, mixing, and sound design by Anya Gzeshik. And additional engineering by Justin Garish. Brian Campbell of Signal Sounds Composer Theme Music. Additional music by Kyle Forster and Jordan Pearson. Finn Margolis. Is our director of post-production. And our director of production is Diane Knox. Fact-checking and additional research by Angela Yang. Special thanks to Xin Yun, who helped Clarissa with her reporting. Jack Bishop is the Chief Creative Officer, and Dan Surratt is America's Test Kitchen's CEO. Thanks to our sponsors, Eglin's Best, Plugra Premium Butter, and the Augusta Scoffier School of Culinary Arts. Proof is a production of America's Test Kitchen.